Southern Queries. I'm India Bastien. And I'm Aubrey Calvin. Together we explore being a part of the LGBTQ community in the South. A quick note on terminology. On this show, we let guests identify in the best way they're comfortable with. Some of the terms or topics might be different, new, or uncomfortable to you. That discomfort is part of what we're exploring together. We encourage you to listen with an open heart and continue these discussions with your larger community. We encourage any meaningful and politeful feedback. Thanks, and welcome to Southern Queries. So how do you know Molly? So I, when I moved to Fort Worth, I was really hoping to find my little community um, like I did in Atlanta. And I searched high and low for queer groups, queer activities, gay activities, and Dallas kept popping up. Yes. Which is great. And, and awesome, and Lady Queer Dallas popped up, and I was like, ugh, yes, this is exactly what I'm looking for, but it's in Dallas. So I actually sent them a message, like a private DM on Instagram, and was like, hello, um, one, do you guys have a group in Fort Worth? Two, do you ever meet in Fort Worth? Three, if not, can I start one? <laughs> What did they say? Um, they said, yes, we're eventually going to go to Fort Worth. Um, we'll contact you if we get to that. So, like, I want to say maybe like six months went by and nothing really spurred. Um, as you know, uh, Aubrey, I, I tried other groups and tried starting other, you know, Fort Worth queer women's network where I sat at a restaurant or different parks or different events by myself. Uh, you know, I tried to drum up the Nancy queer group. Like no matter what I did, I couldn't get people to come out much. Sometimes even I started hosting Zoom things when quarantine hit. I didn't know that. I think I missed that. That's going to be a whole conversation. We need to have a whole episode on why is it so hard to build community outside of the urban centers. Yeah, a whole episode on that. And I saw that Molly had a uh, art show at Sweet Tooth Hotel. So when we decided to start doing this podcast, I was like, we have to talk to Molly. They are so interesting. Their exhibit was fascinating. It was really a different experience, I think, than what I had originally expected given COVID. And um, it made me feel extra isolated because we live so far away (laughs) um but it was still a great experience but that is the hard part though is that because everything is so far away Mm -hmm. you have to want to make that effort and that drive and you have to really make the effort in a way that a lot of us just aren't willing to because of traffic Molly Sidnor is a biracial, queer, pansexual, multidisciplinary female artist. She lives in Dallas, Texas, and she graduated from the Maryland Institute College of Art in May of 2015. And she received her BFA in fiber art, concentrating in experimental fashion and photography. She also runs the Lady Queer Collective here in Dallas. Welcome, Molly. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to talk to you. We're so excited to talk to you. How are you doing? How are you today? Ooh, today. 
if I had to rate today from like a one to 10, 10 being the best, I would say like a seven. Okay. Today. Seven it plus, good. It, it's been fluctuating a lot. Okay. People always yeah. want to say seven. It's like that I'm doing okay, but not amazing or yeah. seven's good. If you would have asked me two hours ago after I drank my coffee, I would have said a 10. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Word. So I wanted to start off with, can you tell us how you identify and why is that identity important to you? Uh, so my pronouns are she, her. Um, and then I feel like I often fluctuate between saying queer, saying bisexual, saying pansexual. Um, I never say the same thing. And I think I just curate what I'm saying depending on who I speak with. Mm. Um, so if I'm at, you know, like a gay bar, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable saying queer, pretty comfortable saying pan. Um, but if I'm at, you know, like stir or, you know, if I'm hanging out with a group of what I would think is mostly straight people, I would often say bisexual because I feel like often certain groups of people don't necessarily understand certain things. I don't necessarily want to get into the topics, especially with people that I don't necessarily trust or know their background. Um, I don't like to, I don't personally like to set myself up for uncomfortable conversations when other people are uncomfortable. Mm. Um, mm. I, that makes yeah, sense. I feel like I've been talking about, I've been talking and learning about this stuff for m most of my life in that I am also um, biracial, I'm black, but I white pass. Um, and so I don't personally like to set myself up for conversations with people that um, have very strong opinions about something they don't understand Absolutely. and refuse to educate. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think like, like I said, I just usually curate whatever I'm saying, depending on who I'm talking to, I guess. Uh, that's also called code switching. <laughs> so I guess there's just a lot of code switching. You get you get pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, Aubrey and I had previously talked about this because I'm also white passing and straight passing. So I feel like, yes, I feel passing. Like <laughs> yeah, I don't straight pass as much as I used to, but yeah, that's a very common one. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, well, you mentioned this idea of identifying as queer and identifying as pansexual and bisexual, depending on who you talk to. Uh, what does it mean to be queer to you? Well, I also think that depends on who you're talking to because, so I went to art school um, and I would, I would definitely say that everybody that goes to art school is queer. And I don't necessarily think that queer in that definition means attracted to the same sex. I think that that at art school means you're different from everybody else. Um, and I'm also re-watching Survivor from season one in like the early 2000s, probably even before 2000s realistically. And they are very homophobic and often they say, well, he looks like a queer and they're using it as a derogatory term but I didn't grow up ever hearing queer as a derogatory term. The terms that I heard that were derogatory were more along the lines of 
someone being called a fag or someone being called a dyke. Those were the derogatory terms that I grew up with. I never grew up with queer as a derogatory term. I first learned the word queer when I got to college. Um, and like I said, it, it really is about where you are. So if you go to the town where I grew up, a small white suburban town in Wisconsin, um, you would definitely call me queer with my hair and my glasses and the rainbow overalls that I like to wear and the rainbow makeup I wear, you know what I mean? So even if I wasn't actively attracted to women, um, as a, as a woman, um, I still would identify potentially as queer because I think that, like I was saying, art school, everybody there is so different and unique and does not follow the social norms of society. Um, but if you want a definition in terms of like my sexual identity, I, I would think I identify as queer because I don't know what I don't like, you know? So like, I like men and I like women, um, but it doesn't really stop there. Like, I don't want to say bisexual all the time because I feel like that is exclusive. Um, and I don't necessarily think that I would want to exclude. It just hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. So it, I mean, I'm in a happy relationship with a woman, but you know, that's not to say that I couldn't be attracted to somebody else in the future um, who's non-binary or, you know, so I, I just, I don't know. We've, we've talked about uh, what we're comfortable saying. Um, there's definitely been like growth between the two of us, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So I'd love to learn if you're comfortable sharing with us your coming out story and how does it incorporate in the South for you? Um, that's really interesting because so when I was in, I mean, growing up, I was always attracted to boys and men and, and even when I went to art school, still the same thing. And I think a lot of that falls under when you first have an attraction and mine just so happened to be, you know, a boy in my class. And then you just go with that and considering it, it's normal, it's air quote normal to be attracted to the opposite sex. You just kind of run with that since everybody's telling you that. Um, yeah. Not that I didn't think maybe I could be attracted to women. I think definitely when I look look in my past, I think there was definitely signs that I was gay, <laughs> obviously. But I didn't look at it as that, you know? You kind of look at it as like, oh, I just think that she's really, really pretty and I wanna be like her. Um, mm -hmm. Without really, no, you don't wanna be like that person. You actually are attracted to them. Um, and so I don't really know necessarily a lot of that in my past. I haven't really explored too much of what may or may not was repressed. Um, and then going to art school, everybody was so sure of themselves at art school. Everybody was so gay or so not gay. Um, and there was definitely a lot of in-between, but I also recognize that a lot of people experiment in college. Um, and I, I just didn't want to be the person that was experimenting with lesbians because I just didn't think that was fair. 
Um, Fair to who? You or them or both? Both. I didn't want to feel like I was using someone to explore an identity that I didn't understand. Um, sure. So even I definitely, there, I definitely can recall one specific person that I was absolutely attracted to, but she was so sure that she was a lesbian and you know, we had had many conversations where she would talk about like her high school experience growing up and all the straight girls that would tease her. And, you know, I didn't want to be someone who was just using her to experiment. And like, I mean, it wouldn't have been using because obviously I am attracted to women, but I didn't think of it that way then. Um, But it wasn't until I moved to Dallas, moved to the South, where I found myself, you know, making a lot of friends that are gay. And I've, I've always surrounded myself with gay people. Um, you know, my, my brother's gay and a lot of my closest friends from back home are gay men. Um, and so I've just kind of always surrounded myself with that. But in Dallas, I feel like I, you know, was able to surround myself with more than just gay men. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's really interesting, my coming out story, because I feel like we all kind of came out together. Like we kind of it's kind of cool because I, you know, I just said that I didn't want to experiment with people that were so sure they were lesbians, but I think I managed to find a group of people that was bisexual and unsure, and we kind of all discovered it together, which sounds kind of weird. It sounds like a big orgy. It wasn't that. <laughs> it was It was more along the lines of like us going to a party, having a lot to drink, and talking about who we matched with on Bumble, more more like that. Mm. Or like drunk, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Switching the app from men to women. So kind of like more along the lines of that. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I had only, you know, been matching with men and been hooking up with men. Um, but then, you know, I was really just, I got to a point where I was more than just curious. Um, and so I ended up going to a concert and meeting someone there. Um, you know, and we kind of had a thing for a little bit, but I was just kind of in this state of mind where I was just going out and having fun and making friends. And so I was never really looking for anything serious. Um, so ironically, I just thought, you know, I just like to sleep with women. I, I'm not, gay I just you know I just, just sleep, like sleep with women right <laughs> <laughs> um but I didn't really think too much of it and I was like okay I'm you know I'm gay in Dallas that's you know that's I guess who I am here but I don't I didn't feel the need to come come out necessarily because you know I I have a gay brother and he was very much born out of the womb gay gayer than like <laughs> oh god like he part of part of me says like he's the reason why i didn't think i was gay because he was so gay you know um (laughs) (laughs) and i know it's a spectrum i realized that and i'm not trying to say anything that might hurt somebody but i just did i really didn't know even when i was sleeping with women i didn't know (laughs) you know um but i ended up meeting my current girlfriend um, ended up meeting her at an all girl pool party. And I saw her three times in one week. And I was like, if I'm gay, it's definitely like, that's, that's who I like that person, that type, 
everything that she is that. And so we ended up dating. Um, and then I came out to my parents because I was like, yeah, like this is obviously a thing. Um, and it was interesting, you know, cause my dad, you know, he's a cool guy. He was like, I don't think it's any of my business who you're sleeping with, but I accept you and love you no matter what. And then, you know, hugged me and walked away. And then my mom was crying. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Like I was confused cause I was crying and I was like, I don't know why I'm crying. Cause I don't give a shit. And then to have her be crying, I was like, I don't really feel like I need to explain myself. Um, but it was definitely a learning process with us because, you know, I was dating a woman and she had a lot of questions like, well, are you only dating women now? And it was kind of confusing because it was like, well, what, what does that mean? I'm, I'm only dating my girlfriend. Are you asking if I'm dating around? Because she would never ask that if it was a man. She would want me to settle down one person and one person only. Hmm. But all of a sudden when I'm dating a woman, she's wanting to know if I'm dating around because she wants to make sure that I'm still attracted to men. So it was a really confusing conversation because I was obviously leaning into the knowledge of growing up with her and knowing how she felt about obviously monogamy and sex before marriage and wanting to be with just one person, you know, to... Hmm not understanding that it still is the same way with women. So it was weird to be asked by my mom if I'm dating around just so she can make sure that I'm still dating men too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you wouldn't, you know, my sister, I was like, you wouldn't ask Emily if her boyfriend is the only person that she's dating. Why are you asking me that? Like she's, she is my girlfriend. So therefore, you know, I'm not, dating other people too it, it was it was a very weird stumbling fumbling into a conversation about I'm not going to talk to my mom about non-monogamy you know that's yeah. that's yeah. So, how maybe parents don't need to know everything yeah 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 and I mean at that time we were also exploring that my girlfriend and I but how much do you really need to tell your parents? I, I, I just felt like she just didn't want to hear that I was dating a woman. Yeah. Or maybe um, thought it was like a phase or, you know, you're doing that right now, but eventually you'll settle down air quotes. <laughs> right. Knowing not to say it that way. Cause knowing that obviously that's offensive, but right. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm not trying to talk crap about my mom. Like she's, amazing um <laughs> and very accepting i know it makes it seem like she's not but that's just like one story you know like what i think some people don't realize how how they say things and how it comes across to other people yeah and sometimes um, they don't intentionally want to like my dad was really bummed um when he found out through my mom that i was gay and his biggest sadness is that he didn't think I was ever going to have kids and he wanted to be a grandfather. And so to my mom, I was like, well, just because I'm gay doesn't mean I can't have children and, yeah. and doesn't mean that I won't make him a grandfather someday. It, that's not a limitation, but I know he didn't mean it in a mean way or an insulting way, but that was his initial like reaction. But um, it's, sometimes people don't think and it's like, okay, does that mean that adoption is less than right you know it, it's almost like 
of course you would never say that. But when you say things like that, you're essentially you're leading to the conversation that an adoption doesn't count because if you're talking about, oh, lesbians can't have children together because they're not, you know, scientifically that's not able, but then they're actually belittling adoption. And and I, I, I just think some people don't think about the consequences of what they're saying. Yeah. Um, and full circle, they're just thinking of, of the rules that they were told and that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, but how are you now with your parents? I mean, they're supportive and oh. And yeah, every, they're supportive. They've always been supportive. Um, awesome. They've always been supportive. Um, it's just, it's tough having certain conversations, you know, like I relate a lot of gay stuff to a lot of my biracial stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So it's very interesting that I like men and women. I'm white and I'm black. Um, and I I weave, interweave them together and, and make... Um, analogies of the two so it's really interesting when my mom says certain things and then I relate it to race and then she understands you know oh okay that's interesting fascinating I mean so I think you um, can tell uh, no go ahead go ahead oh what were you saying no go ahead you finish your thought um well it's just like when she's wondering if I'm only dating women it's like okay because I'm white because I look white does that mean I'm only white no I'm also black I'm only dating women. I'm also attracted to men. Like, yeah, Zach Efron, he's hot, but I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm, I've got a girlfriend. I'm dating my girlfriend. <laughs> so it's like, when you kind of make those comparisons, they're like, oh, you know? And so it's like, mom, you think LL Cool J is hot. Does that mean you want to leave dad and pursue a relationship with, you know, ladies love Cool J? Like, no, come on. <laughs> and I think from a, in terms of parents, that was one thing I definitely struggled trying to get my parents to understand. When I came out as trans, it didn't automatically mean I was leaving my wife. Like, yeah, I'm trans, but you know, my wife and I are still together. I just may occasionally comment that, you know, yeah, Zach Efron is quite hot. I don't, <laughs> I don't like him with the beard, but that doesn't really affect the fact that I'm still married to my wife. So I definitely get that sometimes parents are they're not always getting all the different aspects of everything but we love them anyway yeah yeah for sure and like i said i am ex insanely privileged in that my parents have always supported me they've always supported me so like i said this isn't me trying to like belittle or berate oh, no. No, no. or like oh yeah this also happened and you know we're able to talk it through and analyze why that might not be appropriate to say to somebody else. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just, and I kind of want to look at your, so you went to college in Maryland. Yes. And then you came to Dallas. How did you get from there to here and the DFW area? And then how did you get involved in the Lady Queer Collective? Um, so I'm from Wisconsin but I went to school so I went to art school and obviously I, I applied all over but one of the one of the best programs is the in Baltimore which is where I went in Maryland um and then I applied I applied to 200 jobs 
in my second semester of college, I kept a spreadsheet and I only heard back from one. Oh my God. One. And that was Dallas. (laughs) (laughs) So So I was like, so the economy brought you here. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving this. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not questioning it. I accepted the job on the spot. I drove, or I flew, and my ex and my dad drove a, a big car with my stuff. And then we drove to Dallas from Wisconsin. And then I started my job. I graduated and started my job within a week. I didn't even have time to think about it, really. So oh, wow. work. Yeah. And uh, all the networking that I did and friendships that I made, um, I had a friend who wanted to develop a queer collective with her friend and then they brought me in and yeah, so it's LQC Dallas. Obviously, we're not doing anything now. I mean, I'm trying. (laughs) I was going to ask you, um, You has it been hard during the pandemic for the LQC collective I mean, you guys are so active on social media. Are you guys planning like virtual events or like what's what's the plan for the rest of the year? Do you have one? Tell me more. I think it's really interesting because I think that a lot of people are experiencing burnout. Mm. I think burnout has always been things that people have been experiencing, but I think that the pandemic has made burnout more obvious and more clear. Um, I've also been reading about how people have been on this constant loop and spiral of being like their productivity levels and then like binging a TV show and not being able to get out of bed. And, you know, I was like, oh, that's just me. But then I do all this reading and podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts and then even friends and Instagram people's stories will tell you like, yeah, this person's binge watching this show and oh, this person just redid their entire house. Like I think that people's productivity levels are up and down, up and down. So I think that there was a lot of effort on our part um, at the beginning of the pandemic to try to, I was making like a game a day, (laughs) like the this or that games and the word searches and all that stuff. Um, Everybody was really into those. But then, you know, I mean, lesbian stuff, there's only so much of it. There's only so many movies and a lot of them aren't good. (laughs) There's only so many this or that's you can make that have Chris and Stewart on them, you know? Um, So is the majority (laughs) of the people in Lady Queer Collective identify as lesbian or do you think it's queer and all encompassing? No, it's really supposed to be all encompassing. that's it's really tricky because I didn't actually name it lady um so it's really tricky because we obviously want to be all inclusive and we want everybody our stuff I think mostly for me I when I started going to gay stuff as somebody who in the past identified as straight all all the gay stuff is centered on men um it's really heavy in Milwaukee. It's very prominent in Baltimore. There's not a lot of, I didn't really see lesbian clubs until I came to Dallas, you know, and then there's Sue Ellen's. Um, and so for me, it's like, I really just wanted to make things that, I, re- I really just wanted to do the L word trivia is what I really <laughs> want. <laughs> 
comes out. <laughs> but then that falls under like, I do art shows too. And I think it'd be really cool to have groups of people come to that because people are always looking for a comfortable date spot where they're not going to be gawked at. You know, my, my girlfriend and I, we went on like our third or fourth date to an opera in Dallas and we, we were, we were holding hands, but I was definitely not comfortable with that necessarily. We also, we were the only people of color in our whole area. You know what I mean? So I think that there's already, there's already a lot of uncomfortability. I know that a lot of people are very comfortable and I'm very comfortable now, of course, but it, it definitely took me some time. Um, but we also wanted to be a group that could maybe make people realize that they're gay and that it's okay to not know at first um, and just do events also that aren't centered around drinking. So like going for hikes and doing workouts and stuff. Um, and it's not just one group for some people. It's people are branching out and making their own friends from it. People are branching out and doing their own things from it. Um, it's, it's a bonafide meetup group, really. Yeah, but powerful one. Amazing. Can we talk about your art a little bit? Uh, you have this installation at the Sweet Tooth Hotel. Um, how did it come about? And like, how, I know COVID has changed the restrictions a little bit, but yeah. uh, can you tell us about your art, about that installation? Yeah, um, well, Sweet Tooth has been around, I think this is its, I want to say fourth or fifth installation. Don't quote mm -hmm. me on that, sure. Um, but they've been around since at least 2017 open. Um, obviously, they had to do con some conceptualizing earlier. Um, but they've been open since 2017, I believe. Um, and so I, I went to their first installation. It was really cool. We didn't really have anything in Dallas like it. I was going to Art Basel and traveling to see different art stuff because I'm, you know, I may be a full-time designer for a corporate company, but my other full-time job is being a full-time artist when I'm not at corporate. Um, and that's actually my true passion. Um, so I was going to like the Museum of Ice Cream and Meow Wolf and all these cool things. And Dallas didn't really have any of that. Um, I know there were some attempts, but with Sweet Tooth, what I really liked was obviously their their art that they had in the installations. It, it seemed like it was really made by artists. It didn't seem like it was just people pretending they knew what they were doing, trying to copy it really, I really could appreciate the effort in that they're artists, you know, because um, I have a trained eye, I went to art school. Um, and so I had always kind of had them in mind that I wanted to contact eventually. Um, but I was also applying for small gallery shows and different stuff locally. And I wasn't really getting anything. I wasn't really getting responses for grants or any of that stuff. And obviously that could have been like, my portfolio was lacking or my resume was lacking or my CV or whatever, but it was just really frustrating to come from Baltimore where it's full of warehouse shows and people throwing show, art shows in their house um, to then coming to Dallas and everything's white floors, white walls, super professional, 
super clicky. The art scene in Dallas is way different than it is in Baltimore. And I just wasn't used to that, you know? Um, and so I got my floors redone in my house um, and my roommate had moved out. So I had one room that was completely empty. And then my room, everything was shifted to one corner so that the floors could get done. Yeah. And it looked like, you know, a gallery. So I was like, ooh. I got some friends together, asked them if they wanted to do a show with me and we put together a show. And then I used one of the rooms to make this giant installation that I could put in my portfolio to then apply for stuff. Um, and one of my good friends came and pitched it to D Magazine and it was printed in the August issue, um, which was really cool because it was like, one of my first times being in print. Um, it was my first time being in a magazine. Um, wow. Yeah, and it, I, I sent Sweet Tooth an email, but you know how, I mean, I get so many emails that are just unrelated. Tiff Streets emails me every goddamn day, like, out <laughs> on their email list. So they they didn't respond to me and, and it's not that I think that they just like looked at it and like scoffed it off. I just I truly think that you just it's really hard to see people's emails. Um and so I didn't hear back from them, but I heard from a friend that they were doing a fiber insulation. And so I was really upset because I thought I like missed it. I thought they were like completely they already had the direction, they were already like I mean, they were already starting, but I didn't know that they had room left. So I was really sad. Um, but then I found out that a friend of mine who was almost going to show in my home show, she had she submitted her work and I accepted it and everything, but she just didn't bring it to set up. Um, so I had messaged her and I heard that she was involved. And it turns out she was working with the company that was collaborating with Sweet Tooth. So oh. she, yeah. So she filled me in on what I would need to do. She told me to f make a presentation and just submit my concept. And it turns out that Sweet Tooth had seen my article and they had been wanting to reach out to me, but they just hadn't done it yet. So it's like everything aligned perfectly. And I was one of the, one of the last artists added. Um, so I definitely got like a late start, but you know, I definitely wasn't going to let that stop me. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. So looking at your art online, there's an element in a lot of it that's very activism focused. How yeah. um, can art play a role in activism movements? And then like, I want to learn more about that. Like, do you think that art has a big role um, in that terms? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like hip hop was born out of unjust, you know, people didn't have rights. And, you know, I think everything, everything that's really great, everything that says, like art says something and it always has said something. I think for a long time, I was always making art to like be pretty and impress my mom. <laughs> a lot of the time, like mom, do you like this? And yeah, or no, you know? Um, and so I never really wanted, I never really had a message and it wasn't until I went to school and I started learning about concepts and how to be a conceptual artist. You know, I used to scoff 
at all the conceptual artists that would just, you know, present a brick and then, you know, come up with a million bullshit reasons why it was conceptual. Um, but then I, you know, I, I, I started learning about the history and the context and the reason for that and, you know, all the different artists and the time that they came up in and why it's important. And I, I, I started to respect like, you know, art has a message and it, it doesn't, sometimes sure, it can just be pretty, but it's definitely helpful when it has, when it's saying something, you know, like, of course there's people that sing, but when they're singing about women's rights and, you know, stuff, sometimes that's better, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, so yeah, my, my work definitely has evolved, um, but it's really, it's always been about a self-reflection of me and my identity. So it's really evolved with, with me as I'm evolving. Um, and so of course, like my sweet tooth stuff wasn't necessarily supposed to be like a big gay message, but it's like, I am so. Mm, I looked at it. It's very gay. Yeah. <laughs> my, like, it's, it's pretty gay. <laughs> I mean, it's a giant rainbow. Yes. I tried to, you know, I, I tried to make a, I had a color palette and it was rainbow, but it was heavily green. And so it was initially, it was supposed to be heavily green, but then I just really liked how it like all intersected and everything was like a section of a pie. And so I was like, well, I don't want to put green on the yellow section. I don't want to put green in the red. So I just kept it and it just turned into a big rainbow, which is more than it's more than fine for me. <laughs> It's absolutely great, you know. Uh, it's magical. It I is really amazing. It. I want to go to it. Is it, oh, I, I guess, I know it was closed for a while with COVID. Is it back open and can people go and touch it or is it? Well, they close it. So it's always closed when the artists are installing. So it's okay. always closed. They close it to do the redo. You know, right. the, so it wasn't necessarily closed, but they like extended really they extended our deadline which was great for me because i was not done um actually i don't know that anybody was done really um so the extension allowed me to actually finish it i don't know what i would have done i would have had to definitely pull like a week of all-nighters because i was not going to finish um mm -hmm. i mean i was going to finish but i was not going to finish if i would have kept going at the pace that i was going um and so I'm definitely thankful for the extension. Um, but you can go to Sweet Tooth. It's just they're limiting the amount of people that, that, that can be in at a time. And then you have to wear a mask. Yeah, that's good. And I know that they're trying, I know that they, I think they're trying to enforce no touching of the work, but also I've, you know, I've of course seen people not touching, but I mean, people are gonna do whatever they want, really. <laughs> at your own risk basically <laughs> yeah people are pretty unfortunately not gentle yeah you would, you would think that a rule of like don't touch you know would at least make people not break things but there's definitely a lot of broken things <laughs> yeah oh no uh, but it's a, i definitely made it with the intent to be played on yeah, I mean, it, yours is so, I mean, the whole thing is really fantastical and magical. 
um, but I definitely enjoyed how playful yours was and how it had so much I just wanted to climb on everything <laughs> but we had to all like resist not to touch um, but for sure it brought me a lot of joy to see so much rainbow in it and I think yeah. what's difficult it's not like a painting in a square with like a rope around it it's very immersive and you can walk through it and around it that it's it's hard not to touch it and that brings so, different challenges of course like learning yeah. how to make stuff that's interactive and I mean the learning curve for me was huge stuff was just not working stuff was breaking and I was trying to drastically change the direction of what I was doing just because it wasn't you know, it wasn't, I'd, I'd pull on something and then it would actually come off. And I'd be like, no, no. That was plan F, that was plan G, you know, that wasn't supposed to break. <laughs> um, so it definitely taught me a lot. I grew a lot from the project. Um, but also the people that, that run it and the people that work there, everybody's so helpful and knowledgeable and full of information. Um, so I definitely had all hands on deck, you know? Well, that's amazing. So shifting gears a little bit, um, and this would be our last question because I want to be respectful of your time. Um, what does being queer in the South mean to you and why do you think it's important for us to talk about it? For, for me, it's everything. Being queer in the South is everything. Being queer in the South is my identity because that's how I learned I was queer in the South, <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't know if that necessarily answers your question, but for me, it's, it is my identity because that's where I learned. That's how I figured it out. And I don't know any other way, you know, I don't, I don't know what it means to be queer in Baltimore at art school. <laughs> yeah. It, it probably would have been a lot cooler. <laughs> but all I know is what what is in the south you know that's all i that's all i've experienced i mean so far and um, why do you think it's important for us to talk about it i think it's important to talk about all the time because obviously we're not the only people there's a lot of other people that that when you open conversations about this and you learn about other people's experiences like you know there when i was randomly dating around online you'd match with people and you'd have conversations and you'd realize well they're not a lesbian with 15 years of experience being a lesbian <laughs> you know <laughs> you'd learn that you actually were more experienced than you thought because the person that you're talking to isn't experienced at all you know so I think it's definitely important to talk about because I think a lot of people are scared because they think that they're the only one or they think that they, you know, didn't experiment when they should have and now it's too late. And, and so I think it's definitely important to talk about because it's bringing awareness to something that a lot of people experience. Sure. Yeah, sure. that was a great answer. Love it. Great answer. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Our guest today was Molly Sidnor. And to keep up with her, you can find her on Instagram at Molly Margaret Designer, and her website is Molly Sidnor. You can also find information on the Lady Queer Collective in Dallas on Instagram at LQC Dallas, and their website is lady is LQCDallas.com. So thank you what so much that? for being on the show. What's that? <laughs> the website 
has not been updated since COVID. <laughs> but it's still there. <laughs> it exists. It's still it's there. Not. And it's still got great content. <laughs> You can find more information about this episode and the show at our website, southernqueries.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Southern Queries. Queries is with two E's. Until next time, thanks for listening. Some credits. Production. Your hosts, India and Aubrey. Audio mixing by Allison Holly. Story research, Aubrey Calvin. Editing, India Bastian. This is Southern